no decision is in itself a decision. Today, we're going to talk about the internal struggle that everyone experiences, but few ever talk about or come to grips with. And it is the struggle between what we actually want and what we think we quote unquote should do. And I'm going to share a story with you first to kind of show you how this showed up in my life. So when I was a, a young chap out of school in the early 2000s, I was not really having the greatest time career-wise. Uh, I had, you know, my first job out of college was, I, I would say, a success, let's call it. But then I felt like the growth got capped there and uh, it was far away from home anyway. And I wanted to be in Chicago. So I moved back to Chicago and uh, I just I'm not a desk jockey. I'm not a corporate guy. I'm not like, there's just whatever. It's just not something that's in my blood, (laughs) but I thought that that was the way to go. I thought that that's how you would be successful. And so, you know, I I went from kind of entry level job to entry level job and, uh, and I landed in this, you know, what I would call a good job, well-paid, stable, um, room for advancement, even one might say, um, but I freaking hated it. Uh, I hated it because it was, it felt to me a little bit mindless. My peers, in that job, or not even my peers, but the, pe- the other people that worked there, my colleagues, I felt like just weren't really stimulating growth in me. And worst of all, this company didn't give a fuck about my personal life. <laughs> so I couldn't work out. You know what I mean? I couldn't work out. I couldn't really socialize that much because I was working all these weird hours. And, um, and so I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to try. There's this other job that my friend told me about that's a little bit riskier. So it's still like a corporate type of gig, but it's commission only. So you can make a lot of money, but most of all, it's flexible. The culture at this company is good. Like people, you know, work normal ish hours, you know, and have a life. And I'm like, okay, cool. So it's like, to me, that was a big risk at the time to take another job, right? To go from a quote unquote stable job to a commission job. And I took that job and I would say it didn't really work out the way I thought it would financially. And I just kind of felt dumb. I felt like a failure. You know, everyone's like, oh, I told you so. And I just felt like an idiot. But here's the real deal, man. I had, for those of you that don't know, I'm, you know, in the, in the fitness industry now, I have been for 15 years, but I didn't grow up playing sports and I discovered lifting weights at about the age of 19 years old. And it completely transformed the way I felt about myself. And I, I knew probably at that minute at the age of 19 or so that this, not only this make me feel amazing, but like, I want this to be a part of my life. I want this to be a part of my job. I want to share this with other people. I want other people to feel as good as I do right now. And I saw this path and all of a sudden here I am seven, six, seven years later, something like that in my late twenties, not really working out as a corporate desk jockey. Uh, And I'm like, man, I can make this work in the fitness industry. I can see the path. Now I'd been following along. I'd been watching other industry leaders and you know, I felt like I could make a run at it. I see people are, are kind of starting these micro gyms, which are like little warehouses where they have strength training facilities. And I wanted to do it. And this struggle all of a sudden just kicked in because what I wanted to do was go all in on that, right? But what I thought I should do was continue to find quote unquote secure and stable jobs. And ultimately I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to make around the fitness industry. And at the time, at the time I'd become very interested in kettlebell training is, you know, a little bit obscure at this time. It's like 2010. And 
and there's this guy named Pavel Satsulin who was kind of leading the charge and all that. He was the man that you, you would go get certified by him if you wanted to, if you want to be a kettlebell instructor, if you, if you wanted any sort of credentials in that world. And I'm like, okay, well, I could do that, but it's 2,500 bucks for the certification. I'm like, oh my God, I don't have it. I don't have 2,500 bucks. And that's when, that's when I had the struggle. Because I'm like, dude, this guy at the time, I think was only putting on one cert a year or maybe two a year, but I'd already missed one. So if I, if I didn't go to this next one, I was going to miss it. Like it'd be a whole other year that I was waiting. Right. So I'm like, oh man, I did the big, I did the big no, no. I put it on a credit card with money I didn't have. And I'm going to tell you that (laughs) I was looking back. It's so silly. It's $2,500 on a credit card, like 17% a year, still not even that much money. But the reason, the reason at the time, I should say at the time, it caused so much anxiety because I was breaking the golden rule. I was breaking the rule of what I was supposed to do, which is, you know, never do that. But to me, the cost of interest on a credit card was far smaller than the opportunity cost of waiting. I didn't want to fucking wait. I knew what I wanted and I didn't want to wait another year to get the certification so I could save my pennies. So I did it and I moved forward. And from there, I got the certification, you know, seven months later, I had my own facility or that's not true. Seven months later, I was subleasing out of somebody else's facility. I had my own business two years, three years after that, I had my own facility, uh, ran that facility for seven more years until COVID. Like a lot of great things happened when I made that choice. And I share that story with you because up until that point, that making a decision like that felt so out of bounds for me. Like I didn't even know that doing what I wanted was an option. You know, I didn't even know like, hey, I can just do whatever the fuck I want in the world. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that. I, I, I thought like, if you want to be successful, you have to do one of these things. Like, yeah, you could be a business owner. I guess I always maybe in the back of my head planned on owning my own business, but I thought it would look like, you know, wear a suit and tie to work and like, you know, do something stable. I didn't think like, hey, I can just start this kind of wild and fringe fitness facility and make a living that way. So making that decision it unplugged me from the matrix because up until that point, I had sort of taken the download that there's this very narrow definition of success. It's defined by stability and material possessions, period. But once I broke that narrative, once I unplugged from the matrix, I was like, holy shit, there really are no rules in life. You can literally do whatever you want. And I realized, man, it's up to each individual to define their own success. Like nobody else can tell you what success means for you. Nobody else can tell you you're a failure or not. Like you decide. And that was the most liberating thing in the world for me. And and what I realized is that the flip side is also true. Trying to live up to anybody else's version of success is just a prison that keeps you locked in this state of confusion. And you're wondering like, why am I winning on paper? Like on paper, I'm winning. I have the title. I have the income. I have the, you know, three weeks of vacation or whatever it is people get. I have the spouse, I have the kids, I have the whatever, but why do I feel so empty and unfulfilled? And it's because a lot of us are losing the internal struggle. We're losing the internal struggle between what we actually want and what we think we should do. And this is where the quote that I started started off with comes into play. No decision is in itself a decision. So if you don't say yes to what you actually want, then you are saying no to it. And my goal for today is to share an easy sort of decision-making process, a framework that will help you define success for yourself and make it easy for you to make decisions that lead to a life of what you actually want. And the best part is you'll never second guess those decisions again. So 
What is a quality decision-making process? Well, it's similar to confidence. Maybe you've heard this before, but if not, here's the first time. Confident, true confidence isn't about thinking that you're going to win every time. A truly confident person knows that they'll be okay even if they don't win. And similarly, a good decision-making process is not about always getting the outcome you want. It's about being able to stand by your decision even when the outcome doesn't go your way. And I'm going to be real with you. Detaching from the outcome is new to a lot of people. We're taught as kids, we're we're very binary, very right and wrong, very black and white in this society. We're taught that the result is all that matters. But I'm going to challenge that. Because if you get a favorable result, you know, so things go your way, but you have no process, you have no idea why you made that decision, it's completely random, then you can't replicate that result. You can't learn anything from it. But if you have a solid decision-making process in place, when things do go your way, when you have favorable outcomes, you can repeat them over time. And even if things don't go your way, you can learn from those outcomes and you can tweak your process over time. And so it's like a good analogy would be picking stocks. If I just go through, you know, you know, the Dow Jones or whatever, and I'm like, oh, I, I'm going to pick this stock because the letters are the same as my initials. And then I become a millionaire off of that little decision. That's cool. But is that a good decision-making process? No, the outcome was favorable, but it's, it's not repeatable. It's just a completely random stroke of luck. At the same time, if I'm doing a bunch of homework and I'm studying companies, and I'm digging into the quarterly shareholder reports, and I'm making decisions based off of that. And then one company, for whatever reason, the CEO gets locked up for fraud. You know, and the company, there's no way you could have known. You did your homework, the company, the stock tanks, you lose on that one. Is that a bad decision? No, you, I would encourage you to continue making decisions that way and know that most of the time you're going to come out ahead. So that's what detaching from the outcome looks like. Like, dude, have a process in place. So that whatever happens with the outcome, if it's a good outcome, you can repeat it. If it is a less than favorable outcome, you can learn from it. If you don't have a process in place, you don't have that option. And so the question is, what does the process look like? How can I put this process in place for myself? Three steps we're going to go over today. You know, number one, it sounds so simple. It sounds so obvious, but know what you want in the context of what we're talking about today is defining your own success. Define success for yourself. Not what your parents want, not what you think you should do, not what your friends are doing. Define success for yourself. And then when you understand where you want to go, what success looks like for you, understand what values and standards you want to carry as you march towards that success. And then finally, you can ask yourself the question, when you're presented with an opportunity, is the risk acceptable to me? If I say yes, is the risk acceptable to me? And so... What I'll do is I'll just kind of weave my story in and out here that I just told you about breaking into the fitness industry and uh, kind of walk you through my thought process and then you can extrapolate it out and apply it to your life. So for starters, know what you want. Define success for yourself. At this point in my life, I knew that I was looking for more than money. You know, I was looking for fulfillment. I was looking for creative expression. I was looking for something to master. I wanted to be a master at something. I wanted to be an expert at something. Uh, I, w- I wanted more time. I wanted more time. I wanted to be able to enjoy life. I didn't want to feel like I was just either constantly working or if I was going to work a lot, I wanted to be doing something that was meaningful and fun for me. And so, as I mentioned before, fitness had changed my life. And I found a path of mastery to pursue, like becoming, you know, an amazing trainer, becoming the best possible technician I could become. 
was this, this path I wanted to go down. And I just, I felt like I had to pursue it. So I knew what I wanted. Success to me was breaking into the industry. It was becoming a master of my craft. And financially, it was like, honestly, if I could just get by at this point in my life, I was in my 20s. If I could just get by, I knew that over time I would grow a nice income, but it wasn't numero uno for me. I did see that, hey, there's people who have been in this game for a little bit, five, 10 years. There's there's a lot of different ways to make good money here. So I knew, I knew that down the road that was going to be available to me. But it wasn't important in the short term. In the short term, it was like, this wasn't a get rich quick scheme. This was a, a get happy quick scheme. Like I just needed to be doing something that I felt fulfilled. So I had my success laid out. Like, hey, I need this many clients. Uh, I need to, these are the, the things I need to become proficient in to become a master of my craft. And this is what success means to me. And then I had to decide like, is this an alignment with my values and standards? And so values, you know, are tricky because you can't just say that you value something. It's it's my opinion that values are sort of innate and then we can discover them about ourselves by looking back at times when our life was in, in a great state of flow, like what was going on in your life and, and you can get clues to what your values were there. So long story short, I realized by this point that that growth was really a core value for me. You know, I didn't need a lot in life, but I just had to feel like I was growing and expanding, you know? And so at this point, my recent opportunities in, let's just call it corporate America, they lacked that. So some of them had financial promise or at least stability. And, and they had growth in terms of like, hey, you can like get these titles and maybe one day you can have as many as three people working directly underneath you. Um, it's a office space reference. But I didn't really feel like there was a bunch of challenge and I had to grow and expand to get into those roles. So I felt stagnant, you know. But then looking at, dude, if I'm going to break into the fitness industry, I'm going to do this damn thing. Not only do I have to become a master practitioner, which is going to offer a ton of growth, but I'm going to go into business for myself and I'm going to become, an, I'm going to have to become an extra business owner too. So this is a very steep learning curve because guess what? I'm going to do both of these things at the same time. That's ultimately what I ended up doing. And looking back, I'm glad that I had a little bit of youthfulness, youthful sort of cockiness to think I could do both those things at the same time. <laughs> but I did. And the learning curve was steep and I got my ass kicked. But at the end of the day, I didn't mind getting my ass kicked because I was growing. Now, standards as they relate to values are a little bit, they're the same but different. And standards are sort of like a quantification of your values. So it's like, if I say I value growth, well, how can I quantify that? How can I make sure that I'm checking the boxes? If I say I value health and fitness, how can, like, how can I make sure that I, what are the standards I keep for my health and fitness? So it's like in terms of growth, well, I knew I was going to be doing at least two to three certifications a year, if not more per year. So I had all this stuff laid out in front of me. You know, so the standards were, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge myself this way in terms of growing my business. I'm going to challenge myself this way and take these courses in terms of uh, becoming a better practitioner. And that was my standards. Like, Hey, there's no more, or I'm sorry, no less than three certifications a year. And I upheld that standard. When I look at growing and in, in becoming more physically fit, like growth in the physical sense, I, I, I had shit I wanted to do. I had cool stuff I wanted to do, running races and lifting, you know, deadlift records, all the stuff I wanted to do, which, to be honest with you, my other jobs didn't allow me enough time to, to pursue my physical fitness, my physical health the way I wanted to. But now being a practitioner, being in this fitness industry, being in my own business, I could uphold that standard of literally doing something physical every single day and know that I was moving forward. So 
So this opportunity aligned with my values and standards. It was going to provide me a ton of growth. And I could quantify that growth with how much education I was taking in and how, you know, how often I was working out. As silly as that sounds, that is a standard I keep. So then we have to ask the big question. Once you've defined success for yourself and you know what your values are and, and, and you've de- decided how you're going to navigate the path, you have to ask yourself, if I say yes, is the risk acceptable to me? And there's a simple way. There's a simple question I like to ask that just sort of drives this point home, which is if I lose whatever I put into it, you know, so if I put time into this project, if I put money into this project, if I put energy into this project and I lose it, will it still have been a worthwhile pursuit that added meaning to my life? If the answer is yes, the risk is probably acceptable to you. There is actually another risk that doesn't get talked about. Not, not enough anyway. And in this case, another risk that was not acceptable to me. And that is, that is the risk of opportunity cost. See, every day, once I had it in my head that this is what I was going to do, this is who I am, this is who I'm going to grow into, every day spent not pursuing that, every day spent not living in alignment with what I identified to be in my heart was a day wasted. You know, So I saw myself as this fitness professional, this business owner, this growth-oriented master of his craft. I saw that. So every day spent not becoming that, every day spent saying no to that was a day wasted. And so I, I'd already, I, earlier in the podcast, I brought up Pavel Satsulin, Russian guy. So when the chance to, to go train with him came up, I was all over it. You know, That's why I put that shit on a credit card. Because I just simply wasn't going to wait another year. There's a risk to saying yes, like I could lose the money. I'm going to, heaven forbid, be charged interest on a credit card, blah, 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 right? But if I say no, if I say no, I lose an entire year for this thing that I wanted to do. I was not willing to do that. That's opportunity cost. That's opportunity cost. And so all too often when we are, when we're looking at this stuff, when we're looking at making a big decision, you know, we're looking at what's the time and money I could lose if I say yes. We're looking at what I could lose if I say yes to this thing. And I, I, I'm scared to lose that thing because I'm going to look dumb. So I'm going to really hesitate on saying yes. But really rarely do we ever think about the time and the opportunity we lose when we say no. See, every day is an opportunity to move a little bit closer to your definition of success, to become the person who is capable of, of achieving that definition of success. Every day is an opportunity to live in alignment with the values that we espouse. And so if you're scared of what you could lose by saying yes to yourself, I'd encourage you to look at the opportunity cost of saying no, because this is not a dress rehearsal. When the sun goes down, we don't get that day back. When the clock strike 12, strikes 12 on December 31st, we don't get that year back. And that is exactly why the most important work we can do is define success for ourselves and put a decision-making framework in place to ensure that we are continually making solid decisions that get us in alignment with more of what we want. Hope this one landed with you guys. It's obviously something that's near and dear to my heart because the number one thing I do, like, yeah, I'm a fitness guy. Totally. I'm a fitness guy. But the number one thing I like to do is help people get out of their own way. And so many times it just comes down to, hey man, let's, let's think through these decisions a little bit more and let's ask ourselves, Is this risk acceptable to me? And when you look at the opportunity cost of saying no to yourself, oftentimes you're going to find that's not acceptable. If y'all haven't already, connect with me up on social media. So there's a couple couple ways to connect with me. First of all, website is the good shit, 
thegoodshit.info. Head over there, subscribe to my Substack. I'm, I'm cranking out articles. Well, actually, I haven't published any yet, but they're all in the works. I'm going to start publishing soon. Long story short, I've been publishing some news articles on the side as well. But go and subscribe to that. Because when it's time, you'll get an email when I start publishing um, newsletters and stuff. And if you like the podcast, you're going to like the newsletters. Secondly, connect on social media. Instagram or Facebook is probably the best place. Probably Instagram. And and finally, if you, dude, if you really like today's podcast specifically, if you really like this one and you think it would be cool to come down and talk about this shit in person, we just opened up. Well, they're not even open to the public yet, but we are selling tickets to our annual live event, our, our annual level up event that we do at the beginning of the year. Um, in 2024, it's going to be uh, February 3rd and 4th. It's going to be down here in Dripping Springs, Texas, Camp Lucy. So what we've done, we first opened it up to previous attendees and let them write a first refusal. They came in, I think they filled up an entire room block. So now we have to get a new room block. Next, we're going to open it up to our clients, anybody who's working with us in any of our fitness programs or life examined. And then it is for the first time ever, going to be open to the general public, which I'm, I I think it would be a really good introduction to our world. If you felt like, Hey man, I want to go be with like-minded people. I kind of want to do, you know, the podcast uh, pontification, but do it in person with a bunch of cool people and uh, stuff like that. That's a great reason to stay in touch on social media and um, the newsletter, because you'll be the first to know when those tickets come available. All right, y'all, that is what I got for now. Have an awesome day and I'll talk to you soon. If you're like, hey, I want to learn more about what your Level Up event is, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to uh, the video, a little video recap of last year's event, and you can see if it's your cup of tea. And if it's something that you'd be interested in, we would love to have you. Just reach out to me, and I'll get you pointed in the right direction. Talk to you soon.